Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to recap the Seahawks at Chargers victory on the road, week seven. Uh, Seahawks now sit at four and three ahead of the um, the NFC West. Keith? Yeah, it's, first, uh, it's an the, incredible the place, for Seattle Seahawks, it was one thing to joke around and, and you know, the first week, especially when... Seattle played on Monday and everybody lost on Sunday and we're like, Hey, they're in first place going into their first game. Uh, and then they won. So they were in first place again, but we're seven weeks in, you know, we are, um, we're getting into the season and the CX currently sit in first place in the West. And that is a phenomenal uh, outcome given how low expectations were coming into this year. And um, this game was fun. Uh, The Seahawks just outplayed, uh, really on both sides of the ball, just outplayed a very talented and good Chargers team. Start to finish. Yeah. Start to finish. And the way that they did it, Keith, it was like uh, they went up early, you Mm -hmm. know, came out of the gate, went up early, um, 17 to, to nothing. And then the Chargers came back scored 14 points it was now 17 to 14 and and the way that the seahawks responded to that was to have two key defensive stops one right before halftime and the and then we were kicking off at at halftime they got the ball we stopped them right out of the gate and then we kept scoring yeah and um that's we haven't seen that for a while when it was 17 nothing it was it felt like this team was rolling but then the chargers well, they're a good team. They're a talented team. And they got themselves back in and it was 17-14. And you could feel that the game was teetering, right? It was the, right they there. They got the safety, you know, later on. And, you know, yeah. so there's a couple moments there where it could have just gone squishy. And it has in the past. And it for, didn't. For Seahawks teams. Yeah. But it didn't. Um, you know, the, the Seahawks just responded. They responded with... Um, you know, the second um, Goodwin uh, reception for a touchdown um, after the the safety, they were able to, um, you know, get a field goal and then break mm-hmm. off the 74 yard touchdown run by Walker that really just put the game away. Yeah. Uh, and it just left no hope of, um, you know, uh, for them to come back. And uh, it was just a, it was it was a great win. It was you a know. solid team win all three phases. Yeah. You know, it really was. And, um, you know, it wasn't so much about them not performing well. I'm talking about the Chargers. It was more about Seattle just taking it to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, a good pass rush with a lot of pressures, uh, disrupting timing. Uh, we had a, a couple of turnovers, a strip sack by Daryl Taylor, who's been playing better in the last couple of weeks. And then the interception. Uh, by Ryan Neal, who had an mm. outstanding game. Um, yes, come to did. find out, he was sick, had an IV before the game. <laughs> right? He was I sick knew, as a I dog. He, sick as God, a dog, he, had an IV before out. the game, came out and played. He was the best player on the field. At, and, yeah, at times, he really was. And well, he, I mean, you take it away from, I don't want to take anything away from Walker. We'll talk about that. But on the defensive side, he was the best player on the field. Uchenna Nawasu had a great game, too. 11 pressures. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, Darryl, Darryl Ryan Taylor Neal, played yeah. well. Um, Boye Mafe, uh, came up big a couple of times. I mean, it yeah. was a team effort it, the, the defensive line had four balls batted down. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you and know, cause that, were, that can kill drives. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think weren't all of those Nuchenna Nawasu, I mean, didn't he have like, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking uh, of that else. part. I don't I'll I guess that to... was Ryan Neal. Ryan Neal had four pass defense yeah. uh, in this game, as well as the interception as and well as seven it. tackles. Yeah, he had a phenomenal <laughs> game. 
Um, And honestly, the team needs him to be good because he is replacing, um, you know, a pro bowler, a former all pro um, in Jamal Adams. He, they need him to step up and be good because the scheme is kind of designed around um, having that playmaker at strong safety. And if he's going to be at strong safety, he's got to be that playmaker. And the last couple of weeks, once um, ever since, you know, Jones was benched and Ryan Neal has come in, you've seen what a difference Ryan Neal can make. He's played very well. No, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that uh, there's a lot of positive things to take away from this game. Well, one of the things that I pulled out of this game that was probably the defining moment for me was the way that we handled the drive in the third quarter where we had some adversity and they had that phantom uh, motion thing against our center, uh, Austin Blythe. And kinda, and the team kind of went crazy. That the, the referees kind of lost control for a minute. Pete Carroll was upset. Geno Smith was fired up. So <laughs> Pete Carroll calmed him down. Mm-hmm. He went and Gino went back on a third and long, like third and 11 or third and 15, went back and hit Tyler Lockett on a bullet ball uh, to pick up the first down. And Gino was, and they went on to, and, and that drive was 10 minutes. And they only got a field goal out of it, but, but it, was it was a minutes. 10 minute drive. That was right. the, that's the type of drive that in the last couple of years, teams have eaten up Seattle by running those kind of drives against them and you just keep the offense off the field. There's no rhythm on offense because you can't get on the field because they just grind it out for like 10 minutes and the CX were up and they were able to do that. They were able to just continuously um, convert third downs, run the ball, keep, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Justin Herbert and the offense off the field. It was it was great to see. We haven't seen Seattle be able to do that to a team in a few years. And the fire. I just like the fire out of Geno Smith. A, he was he was upset, but then he contained that and and actually took it to the other team. And um, I haven't seen that for a while. And it was great. And you mentioned third down conversions. We're now fourth in the NFL in third yeah, down conversions. They were rate. five out of nine, which was 56%. Um, and it, you know, they, they just keep doing it. There's, there's been a couple of weeks where it, where it hasn't they worked. Only had nine third down opportunities in this game and scored that many points tells you everything because, you need to know about the efficiency of, of the way that they're operating Yeah, and the they big, were, big plays that they're generating. Yeah, they were, they were doing that. And you know, they were just like, you know, Ken Walker was averaged 7.3 yards per run. Um, even DJ Dallas, who, you know, in mm-hmm. the, at the beginning of the year, we were thinking, you know, he's going to be a special teams guy and maybe play here or there because of the guys above him on the depth chart. But with two major injuries, he's getting pressed in. And, you know, he had six carries for 35 yards, which is 5.8 yards per carry. Um, that's great. Yeah. And um, you compare that to the other side. Remember that for the first four weeks, first five weeks, the CX def- uh, run defense was as bad as you could possibly yeah. be. Um Austin Eckler, despite catching a lot of passes and having a fantastic day himself, only averaged 3.4 yards per run. Yeah. Yeah, he had 127 scrimmage yards, but 96 of those came from uh, receiving. And even then, he only averaged eight eight yards uh, reception, uh, but 31 yards coming. 12 12 receptions. 12 receptions for 96 yards. That's, That's a great day for a running back. It's a he, yeah, he was a total impact player for them. Absolutely. But that was it. I mean, Mike Williams had seven receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown. Beyond that, there just wasn't much there. Justin Hubert had a 33 of 51. He threw the ball 51 times, 293 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But a lot of those incompletions were were badly missed. Had mm-hmm. a, almost a, another in, interception uh, mixed in with that. He was harassed all day, threw it high, threw it low, all over the place. And it was mostly caused from Seattle. Yeah, there was there was a lot of pressure on him. They were forcing him to throw off platform. They were getting in there. I mean, they were hitting his arm as he was throwing. That happened a couple of times, including the strip sack um, by Daryl Taylor. Like Justin Herbert didn't have a lot of clean pockets, and 
that's incredible considering the way this defense looked a couple weeks ago. And now, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, uh, Uchenna Nwasu leads the NFL in quarterback pressures, Keith. 31. That... that that makes me happy that's second not, that, second place that is a that is a that is a stat i didn't have and that just makes me giddy second place <laughs> miles garrett and Mik, uh, mika parsons tied in mm-hmm. second place with 30 and uh, chano nuasu's got 31. i think that that's really important that's that tells the tale of how this defense is emerging now um and we talked about before this game in our pregame uh, podcast of what we could see out of this defense that would uh, duplicate their effort against the um, the Arizona Cardinals, and they're so it's been so bad prior to that that we just didn't know what we were going to see out of this defense in this game. What I think that we saw is a defense that I think we're going to be able to see for the rest yeah. of the year and possibly even get better. Um, well, and it well, was you, it was great. You've got a situation where I mean the defense looked so bad the first you know five weeks that these these last two weeks feel like an aberration. Uh, and it's but it's one thing to do to have a great um, a great game against Arizona when you change up some of your your scheme and you, you throw things at them that they that aren't that isn't on tape and they're not a good offense to begin with and so you you know you just destroy. A bad offense in that situation you go okay that's great but all of what they did in this game uh against the chargers was on tape from last week so there was an opportunity for the chargers to prepare for it and it didn't matter plus the chargers are a far better offense number seven overall offense coming into the game yeah now i will i will say this keith they only averaged 85 yards rushing prior to this game and they got 50 yards out of this game 55 yards, I think, to be exact, total rushing. Um, so I, I'm going to put an asterisk on that for this defense because, you know, the, the, in the next game, we're facing the Giants, and the Giants have Sequan Barkley. And yeah. he's had an outstanding year. He had a, a great year, comeback year, kind of last year, coming back from a, an injury. And then this year, he's he's kind of been on the same track. And that's enabled them to kind of come back in games and and be a good rushing team now conversely their defense is awful against the run i'll talk about that in a little bit but um can we do that against the giants next next week that's going to be a great game the six and one giants who would have thought about that Mm -hmm. um the seahawks have a great story this year Uh, the giants are another story that's that's out there that's that's a real good story for them um, yeah, the idea that this um week eight matchup between seattle and the giants is actually a very meaningful, TV. Impactful, <laughs> impactful game by two right. teams that look like playoff teams would be would have been an absolute joke before the season started. Right. Like no, no one would have believed that if that's what you said. You're like, nope, the Giants are going to be, you know, uh, have one loss and 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 be, look like a you know a, a definite playoff team. Seattle's going to be first place in their division when these two teams play. Like you would have just been laughed at so hard by anyone. Well, I think um, that you know we had we talked about the Seahawks being a five-win team this this year on yeah. our prediction show, and that was generous. And we were trying, you know, 
to to mm -hmm. be realistic, but give them the benefit of the doubt. Five wins. Um, and They're we at circled. Four now. I know we <laughs> We're circled gonna be wrong, though. Bill. I know. Oh, it's it's tragic. It really is. You can tell by the way our enthusiasm is. Um, yeah, we're, we're the, crushed. At that Giants we're game be. we circled on on that schedule as being a game that we both thought we would take a win away from, yeah. and that was going to be one of the you know the the easier games on the schedule, if if you will. It was at home against the Giants. The Giants might be a little better than they were previously, but they're not going to be you know they're not going to be good, better. right? They're going to be they they were a terrible team last year. Now um, the Giants are one of those teams when you dig just a little deeper. They are one of those teams at six and one that possibly could have been about four and three. Yeah. Um, because all four of the, they have four games where they have fourth quarter comebacks this season. They rallied in the second half of a fifth victory. So they're behind in games. Teams are, you know, but they are also have the ability. They also have the ability to come back though. So I will hand them that. They've got some tenacity. I love their coach. It's a well-coached team, much better than it has been in the it, past. It's so weird to think of the Jets and Giants, the two New York teams, um, the Jets and, saying the word, well and saying the words well-coached next to them because those are the two of the most poorly coached franchises over the last like five mm -hmm. years. Um, but this year, both have um, you know one in their, their first year of the coaching staff, one in the second year. They've done a good job. The coaches have, are putting guys in position to do well, and they're winning, and that's all you can ask. And honestly, the Giants' defense is better than um, advertised. Mm -hmm. um, it still has some flaws, but that's okay. They've been uh, able and, to generate stops. Yep, and uh, the offense has been far better than advertised. And, you know, Daniel Jones has... They're not asking him to do a ton. Um, they've they're really protecting him in terms of the way the scheme is. Um, but then you know they're trying to make it easy on him. But he's taken advantage of that and it, he's reacted well to it. And is the team's winning. It's hard to make have a lot of complaints when your team is winning like that. So um yeah, this we'll is review that fun. This is gonna be a fun matchup this week. Yeah, we'll review that that um that matchup here at the end of the week. I wanted to keep talking a little bit about our defense uh, because that was the star of this, uh, this game, I thought. Our offense kept racking up points. There's no question about it. And we can talk about some individual performances on the offensive side. Man, that defense, I just feel like they just came up big over and over again. It's like they forced five punts, Keith. They, they held the Chargers on fourth down uh, attempts. Um, and, and they lost the ball on two of those. Um, mm -hmm. That's just like a, a punt or a turnover, you know, when you, when you do that. And um, I just, Seattle's defense has nine sacks in the last two games. And they're holding teams uh, the last two games to 30% third down conversion rate. Um, what's happening to this team? I mean, if this keeps going, Keith, the sky's the limit, especially in a weekend NFC conference. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, this, you look at, you look at, the, I mean, the offense has been great and you said, we'll get to that. Um, and the defense has turned it around and they've turned it around by being more aggressive, right? We went into it in great deal last week and I kind of don't want to go down that same road um, this week with our discussion, but this uh, adaptation to go from, you know, two gapping to one gapping by the defensive line um, has really changed things. Puna Ford's had a couple of his best games of the season. Um, you see Quentin Jefferson go from being abysmal to actually being pretty dang good the last couple of weeks. And then you see a guy like Daryl Taylor who had been benched and we thought, man, this guy's, this guy looks like he's going to be a complete bust um, for this team. Cause he just doesn't fit the scheme. Suddenly has two really big games. And one of the more impactful plays defensively in this last game um, was made by Daryl Taylor, which he had that uh, strip sack and picked up the ball, had a big run back um, on the fumble recovery. It was, I mean, that was just an athletic display uh, by him. And those are always fun. So it's crazy because you and I all off season, 
we kind of hyped up the defense a little bit. We came we into the offseason thinking the defense had done enough the mm-hmm. last couple of years with the infusion of talent and and then this year with some speed, youth, uh, et cetera, and, and new scheme, new coaches. They were excited, very competent. We just felt like the whole thing was going to come together. And then, boom, it just didn't. It fell it completely flat. It oh, was yeah. horrendous the first four or five weeks. It was difficult. You saw glimpses of, of individual players, but that was it. Coordinated mm-hmm. effort was not there. Now, with this two-week turnaround, it makes you question, like, how is it going to be going forward? It's Is this now what we're expecting to see week in, week out, regardless of opponent, or will they revert when they... It, it comes against certain teams or certain players or whatever. I don't know because when you, what changed is that uh, now they're you know suddenly having success where they weren't before. They changed their methodology, right? They went from doing something which wasn't working. They switched it up. They tried something different, and it's working really well. And it's not a matter of you know these are bad players, and that's why they were they were giving up all those yards. It was guys just weren't in position to make plays. Um, some of that is what was going on on the field. And some of that was, you know, a scheme that didn't necessarily fit the personnel. Um, mainly up front is what I'm talking about the on the defensive line. Uh, now with what they're doing, they're, they're scheming things up that fit the personnel better. And you're seeing the result. It's they're letting the guys do what they do well. And why would they stop doing that? I think we're also seeing the the newer and emerging players starting to come into their own a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'm talking about Mike Tariq. Jackson at, at corner, Tariq Woolen. Yep. You know, both those guys are Kobe, just huge. And Kobe Bryant Kobe now Bryant. playing over 90% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. So and, and Ryan Neal coming in and and taking over for Josh Jones. Um yep. And then, and then you said uh, up front, putting those guys in position to be more successful. And Puna Ford and Quentin Jefferson, uh, obviously, are, are linebackers. Barton. A lot less Cody Barton. Although Cody Barton did play a little bit more in this game than he had in um, Arizona, um, but that's not he's not he's not the guy that's like making the plays really. Um, it, it's other guys in the, in the system. Uh, I can't say enough about Kobe Bryant. I mean, the, the the kid's a playmaker, and he's sticky in coverage now. I think he's playing a lot more confident. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Neal just played completely lights out in this game um, on the defensive side. Shelby Harris uh, played well. Um, Uchenna Nuwasu, um had a great game again. I mean, just a great game. Well, that's one of the things that that this defense did over the offseason. Well, that's what the front office did for the defense over the offseason was they got faster. They got more athletic. Um, having a guy like uh, Nuwasu out there, I mean, the guy is just a beast. And he's really hard for teams to account for because he comes off that edge with both speed and power. And he can come inside. He can go outside. He can do a lot of different things. And that's why he's leading the NFL in pressures because he's getting after quarterbacks and they're having a hard time accounting for him. Um, you know, then you add Tariq Woolen and his speed. You add the way Mike Jackson and and Kobe Bryant and are playing size, coverage right. and the, yeah. the size of the two outside guys and Jackson and and Woolen. And you'll also notice that uh, Diggs, whose play was left a lot to be desired over the first four or five games. Um, suddenly is playing significantly better too. Um, and I think that has to do with the fact that he's starting to trust the guys around him a little more. And he's starting to get, he's getting more help from Ryan Neal than he was getting from Jones. And so like things are starting to fall into place and guys are starting to just really trust the guys around them enough to uh, do what they got to do. And it's been fun. It's been it fun. has it has been fun. I mean, that's a great, great word for it. Um, all right, let's talk about the offense a little bit. Okay, what did you see out of Geno Smith in this game uh, that you liked? That I liked. Um, what I liked is that he didn't have his best game 
um, in terms of how sharp he was and how accurate he was. And it didn't really matter. 20 at 27 is pretty good. No, it is. But I'm not talking about completion percentage. I'm talking about where the ball was placed. Um, that interception early in the first um, half. Yeah, he was, forced that thing in there. It was, and it was behind him. And that's why it got deflected and up into the air. And that's why it got intercepted. It wasn't a good pass. Um, and did it bother him? No. He came right back, showed that he had a short memory, uh, and delivered the ball to um, you know, Goodwin good for win. a touchdown. And that was a great touch throw in the back of the end zone. I mean, oh, a great was. route by Goodwin, by both, the way. But both of Goodwin's uh touchdowns that second were, one was amazing. Were spot. fantastic throws and great routes. Um, yes. Goodwin, Goodwin made it easy on Gino, but Gino threw it perfectly. Um, but I wasn't not really talking about those passes. It's just some of the other ones. He had some that were off target. Um, he just, he, we, what we've come to expect after the the first, uh, six games is for him to be a guy that's going to complete like 80% of his passes because he's extremely accurate. He didn't have his best stuff in this game and it and didn't I think, matter. I think it the chargers have a pretty decent secondary too. I mean, that's their probably their best unit on defense as well. It's as Sante uh, Samuel out there and, and mm-hmm. um, Derwin James and those guys, you know, are in a good position most of the time. So how Khalil, about Khalil Mack is no, um, no slouch. That's one of the best. He's no slouch, NFL. but I'm telling you, Charles Cross and, and Abe Lucas did a great job. We're going to talk about the rookies here uh, yep. coming up in just a little bit. Um, <laughs> speaking of rookies, Let's talk about uh, Ken, Ken Walker. Walker. Oh, oh my God, man! Fun like, player to watch. You just know that anytime he touches the ball, he's a home run waiting to happen from any spot on the field. Crazy. He does some. He does little things that just make me giddy. And it, the way he sets up blocks, he'll pause and make it look like he might cut it up inside. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to get a defender to commit into that hole before yes. he bounces it outside. Whack, he doesn't just get up there and then, direction. yeah, he doesn't just come up and, and, and realize that there's nothing there and bounce it outside instantly um, where he can go and get tackled. He sets up the blockers. He he knows how to read those and make the most out of them. Um, his change of direction is just, it's just crazy fun. And then when he gets to the second level, Mm. That speed is as yeah. good as you'll see from a that touchdown back. was twenty two point oh nine miles per hour fastest uh, by a ball carrier this season. Yeah, and that's I mean, just as fast as DK Metcalf chasing down. Uh, was it Buddha uh, Baker? Buddha Baker last year. Last yeah. year, yeah. I mean, he there was nobody that was going to catch him, and you knew it. He he, he got burst the, through he, that hole, man. It was it was over. Yeah, he got once he got through. And you realize that it didn't matter whether guys had an angle on him or anything. He was gone. And that's not a fluke play. That's repeatable. And this guy's going to have plays like that in his career. This is just over and over again. You know, the second one, I guess. The the Mm -hmm. first one was last week where he had the 67 yard or whatever it was. He's Um, a guy that's going to generate big plays because his combination of balance, agility, and speed. Um, He's he's a special player. You can he add really power is. to that, Keith, because in order At to times, have that yeah. balance, you need to have that power. And mm-hmm. you know that uh, eleven yard touchdown run that he had showed that, and and mm-hmm. the fight, and and there was another run where he had uh, he needed to pick up a first down and and carried ball player uh, ball uh, players on the defensive side on his back, and Abe Lucas helped push him along, and it was that was a fun play too. Yeah, um, I mean. He- 7.3 yards per attempt per carry. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I, In I addition, love... 23 carries. I mean, the work the, he was a workhorse. Yeah. 168 yards. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of touches for one player. 23, because uh, he didn't get a single yeah. um catch out of the backfield. Like they didn't they didn't rely on him to do that. They didn't need him to do that. I know going into the game when we were in our pregame uh, podcast, we talked, or at least I talked about him maybe getting 15 to 18 touches and thought that that was on the upper limit based (laughs) on the fact that it was his second game. 
and that DJ Dallas might have a few more touches. The guy's ready to go. He's just ready. He's a I mean, he's pro ready rookie, and and we're he's going to be rookie of the year. I mean, if he got, keeps this up, he, he averages he you know eighty five to hundred yards a game. This guy's mm-hmm. going to be special. Have a special year. I mean, DJ Dallas had eight touches in this game. That's that. That's not. I mean, for a backup, especially a guy that's a the backup to a backup. Um, when the season started, that's yeah. that's that's saying something. I mean, he actually that's a lot of touches. Um, and you know, it's forty one yards overall. I mean, that's that's a good outing for a, for a backup running back. It's a good outing for for the entire team. Well over two hundred yards. Yeah, and it kind of leads me to my conversation. I mean, we we could talk about Goodwin and Lockett and, and those guys, and, and they did well. Nothing completely outstanding. It was the Walker show, but I want to talk. I want to get this conversation kind of focused back towards the the impacts the rookie class has had oh, on yeah. this team, and and we can kind of go through the defense a little bit. But let's start on the offense, and let's start up front with the two tackles, Keith. They're playing outstanding to the point where we talk about them almost every week. In like we're somewhat surprised and it's just we're confounded about it. But we're it, not. It's I'm not surprised. A situation where it's I'm not surprised now a regular thing. It's literally been every week um, that they've been good. Now there's been hiccups here and there. They're rookies. You're gonna have that. But overall, you look at overall over um the first seven games, they've been fantastic. And Lucas has been just this revelation at right tackle, um, and. Like this, it, the line. This is the best offensive line the Seahawks have had since 2013, and it and, it, and this and it's is mostly, the baseline. This is the first seven the games tackles. of their career. Yeah, it's mostly the tackles that are doing that, um, and it it's just great to see. They're gonna you those two rookie tackles are gonna make Geno Smith look good. They're gonna you make know, Ken Walker know, look good. And right now, also, honestly, I don't think those two guys need any help to look good because they're both playing really well, but they still will make Geno Smith and Ken Walker look good. The the, the player in his second year is uh, Kerhan had an instrumental block on that Ken Walker 74 yards scamper too. I just thought I'd throw that out. Um, uh, Jake Curran came in and um, basically they had to pull um, Haynes out. It was one of, it was the uh, independent spotter up in the booth um message down to the refs that said and they said escort him to the sideline um and Kerhan had to come in i mean he's he's a he's a tackle playing guard a position that you and i both thought that he would excel in that's very true and he came in and instantly did really poorly he did (laughs) give up a couple gave gave up a sack had a penalty whiffed on another block it looked bad um but once he settled in a little bit it started, you started to see yeah. um, why, you know, why he was a starter last year and what the team likes about him and all of that. He, it took him a, it, it took him a bit, but it's hard to come in when you've been sitting and you don't expect to play. But by the end there, there he was, he was, speed. he was putting guys on his back on, on yep. their backs. You know, yeah. he was, he was a, a force out there in the running game. Um, so let's go, you know, we talked about Walker already. We talked about the two tackles. Let's go to the other side. Uh, Boye Mafe um, mm-hmm. is now starting for the Seattle Seahawks. And he's setting the edge better than anybody else on the team, I think. And and making plays um, that, are, that are difference maker plays, but not on his stat line, per se. Yeah, um, he he's kind of gumming things tackles. up. Yeah, he's kind of gumming things up on the edge. He's really making a difference out there, at least in the last two games. Um, and and he he's a guy I want to kind of key in on uh, on this next couple of weeks because I think that he's 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 just not getting any any credit for what he's doing, but I think he's doing a lot to really be disruptive in there. And um, setting that edge is just an, a, a very important thing in this defense. Um, you're not necessarily necessarily going to make that tackle, but you're going to enable another player to come in and make that tackle. Yeah, because you're going to force the play inside where you've got help, and this is when you see um, Jordan Brooks, Ryan Neal, and if he's in the game, 
uh, Cody Barton make a lot of tackles because the running backs getting funneled to you. And um, so Moffey's got to do that against the run. And he's also got to either cover or get up field um, and get pressure on the quarterback against the pass. And there's a lot of responsibilities being put on him. And so far he's, I think he's responded well. Yeah. Um, the reason I've mentioned the run part of it is because that was the most unexpected part of his game. He yeah, was a guy that's just, he was going to be a tool. He was going to be a third down specialist. He was going to rush the passer. That was it. And cover. They're asking yep. him to do so much more right now, right mm -hmm. out of the gate. It's just, it adds to that, the phenomenal draft that we had, yeah. which is kind of the way I wanted to finish this segment. But the, um, and then you look at Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe Bryant is leading the league in forced fumbles. He's in on, you know, quite a few tackles per game. He's a sure tackler. He doesn't miss tackles. Um, and his coverage has been really sticky. And recently, yeah. Recently. And I he just think a, it's just he he's, had a rough, he's gained so much confidence. He had a rough first couple of weeks and he got benched. And then he earned himself some more playing time and he responded. Um it's not unlike Tariq Woolen going out the first game of the preseason and getting torched. And I, I guess what? He took his lumps. He learned from it. He came out and now he's playing at, playing at a pro bowl level. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing. I, I, I think these guys have shown that they're smart. They're coachable. They're, um, they're going to do the little things. They're, they clearly study um tape and and all of that uh well and it's just a great it's a great pair of of players and i kind of want to throw mike jackson in there because even though he's not a rookie by any he means had three, he had three not three starts he played in three games prior to this year yeah but he's also i think he was been on practice squads for a couple of years yeah um but so yeah he's not a rookie he doesn't really fit that um but this is his first real playing time um, because yeah, he'd played in three games before he played in a game and a half. And then I was a broken leg, um, last year, um, before he got, you know, off and then the team had to move on, um, last season, but now he's come in, he's earned the starting job by having a great camp in preseason. And it was rough the first couple of weeks and he has grown into um deserving that role of being yeah. the second the second starter out there you know you know one of the things and you mentioned um digs playing better more competent in the last couple of weeks one of the things that helps those guys is to have some pressure up front you know and it kind of go goes all in in hand together um mm -hmm. so i'm sure that helps him as well in coverage so i i kind of want to end this thing we're kind of getting uh, running on a little bit is just the phenomenal overall draft that we had in mm -hmm. April with John Schneider. We mentioned six starters um, total, uh, three on offense, three on defense. Seattle Seahawks are starting six rookies, and we're in first place in the NFC mm -hmm. West in week after week seven. And there's guys that part of this draft class that haven't got their chance yet. Yeah. Um, we saw in the preseason what uh Derek Young offers as a mm -hmm. as a prospect. Now he needs to work work on catching the ball a little better and and that kind of stuff. But his athleticism and size looks fun. And um, you know, we had a, a br very brief um look at the pass rusher from the seventh round. Um Fifth whose round. name Tyreek Smith. Yeah, Smith. Um and so you know, we, we, you kind of think about that and you're like, he looked really sharp early on. And then his injury uh, knocked him out. There's possibility that this team could get, they've already got six starters out of this draft. They may get two other yeah. useful And Bo Melton's still players. sitting out there. We just don't know about that. But, yeah. Yeah. So th this could turn out to be, an, you know, an all-timer uh, class uh, if those you know, guys actually, I think even well. Stan Pat right now, six starters out of this is, is yeah. an all time class. <clears throat> so anyway, um, great show. I, you know, it's, it's a great win. We talked about before this, uh, show the last show, 
how this would kind of define which way the season was going to go. Are we a pretender or are we a contender? And this clearly puts us in the latter bucket. We're now a contender. Uh, the blinders are off. We're full go at this point as far as trying to win, mm-hmm. trying to find out what we can do uh, this season. Now, granted, we may not be a Super Bowl team. I don't think that that necessarily matters right now. I think the team is oh. focused on what it has right in front of it and getting uh, these six draft picks integrated into the team, making the team better. The future is so bright. Even with Geno Smith at quarterback, um, you know, we're, we're winning, and I don't see any reason to, like, You and I predicted five the- wins. The national media was predicting two to three. They've got four now, and they're in first place. Yeah, and if I, they go six and five, for the rest of the way they're playing we're at 10 wins yeah i mean pete carroll deserves a ton of credit actually and i know six and four um there's a there's a there's a large contingent of the um fan base that doesn't want to give pete carroll credit for anything i think but he deserves a ton he deserves a ton of credit for the way this season has gone and proven i think for for the way other seasons have gone as well yeah i think it, it vindicates some of the ways that that he's been coaching some of the ways that he treated russell wilson and allowed that offense to operate and put russell in, in the best position to be successful i think that's evident now mm-hmm. that, that that's what was going on and what happened um we we need a little bit more uh out of that to kind of figure that out completely but now that we've seen Gino operate in this in this thing, and, and Waldron's kind of got the reins off on this offense, everything seems to be operating, you know, really nice and smooth. Um, and it's it's just a it's it's fun, like and football is fun draft, again. Those Broncos draft picks just keep getting better. It's possible wow. that the Seahawks could be in position to draft their quarterback of the future without losing, because the Broncos are losing for us which is crazy and it and it could very well be you know a top three pick right now it's number five overall yeah they look god that offense looks bad and they have a top five defense which Mm -hmm. is which is crazy they've only allowed eight touchdowns all year on their defense yeah but they've only scored five or six yeah they that offense looks so bad um I, I expect them to turn around. <clears throat> Russ is too good for this to persist for throughout the entire season. But for yeah, but right they, now, they might they might be firing their coach before Russ comes back. Well, yeah, they might. Right? I mean, Russ Mike is out Silver now. was talking about so, um, uh, the coach being fired if they lose against the Panther. It was it the Panthers. I can't remember who they're playing in London this this week, but that, that's not good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, they hired Hackett to get um, Rogers. Like, yeah. That was that was the play. They hired Hackett to get Rogers. They didn't get Rogers, so they they went out and traded. So they got for, a hack instead. They went out and traded for Russ, and it's just such a bad fit, such a bad combination. I don't. I, I don't know if there's anything inherently wrong with with Hackett as a as a person as a coach. It's just not ready. It wasn't Other it's clear than, that he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to oh, call yeah. plays. He wasn't ready to have the the team uh completely on his shoulders. Uh just not ready for that moment yet. He'd only had four or five years of NFL experience at all mm-hmm. at, in any position. Um, and three of those came in the last uh, three years with as an offensive coordinator for Green Bay. Now, granted, that's a great position and good experience, but you don't have any head coaching experience. They brought in a guy, a defensive coordinator that had not been a defensive coordinator in the NFL before, and only a, a, a couple years of experience. Their um, their other position coaches are all fairly new at this thing, and so I think that's a big, big part of what's happening right now. Maybe they can get it turned around. Um, I think you know it's clear to me now, being removed from the Russell Wilson situation, that Russ had a hand in. Uh, both the success and the difficulties that Seattle had uh, with offensive coordinators in this system. And now that he's moved on, he wanted to have full reins of, of 
let Russ cook. And I'm not sure that he's that quarterback. And at least, you know, it, it looks like he's not that quarterback at this stage of his career at 34 years old. And um, anyway, not looking great for, for Denver. Um, okay. and, and I wish him success after this season, uh, but not during this season. I want those draft picks. I want them to be as high as possible. <laughs> because Seattle's yep. going to keep winning. And, and right now, Keith, if we were to draft, we would draft 23rd in the NFL draft right now. Yeah, I'm not sad about it. I'd rather have the team win. I'm not a I'm not a let's lose for draft picks guy. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This you, feels you so much out, better. You go out and you win games that you can win. And if you can't win games, then you deserve a high draft pick. Um, but you don't tank. I, I hate I hate the concept of tanking. Um so as much as I <laughs> as much as I was like, it would be best for this team to be bad and get a quarterback because I didn't I did not think that Geno Smith was gonna be this crazy once in a well once ever um in the nfl guy that went from being terrible to good over the course of 10 years by not playing um yeah, yeah. i just don't yeah you should go read a uh monday morning quarterback article from peter king that that came out um on a, a little interview with gino it's fantastic yeah, actually, you know what he, I say like once ever, um, listeners, if you're still listening to this, uh, go look up Rich Gannon and his career. This is it's it's not quite the same because he didn't spend as long as a backup, but he was considered kind of a washout, and then he became a guy that won a Super Bowl and looked like the best quarterback in the league for a couple of years, um, and maybe maybe that's the Maybe that's the path of Geno Smith. Well, he's certainly the best story, comeback oh, yeah. story right now in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. There's just no question. And, and there's no question. He's probably a top five candidate right now for MVP. And if he, he continues this trajectory and we get in the playoffs and we happen to do something. He should be. Like, honestly, he should be in the conversation. Does he win it? I don't know. But he needs to be. He should be in the conversation right now because he's playing well enough. Yeah, to do it, and the stats and, bear that bear that out. And honestly, how how messed up would it be it's if Geno Smith dude. if Geno Smith gets MVP MVP votes, even a single vote, <laughs> even a single vote, because Russ has never gotten one, and that was part of why he wanted out. Because yeah. he he was thinking about his legacy. And Hall of Fame chances, and if he's not getting MVP votes, he was worried he wasn't gonna get that chance, and he didn't think he was ever gonna get them under Pete Carroll because of the defense and running game uh, philosophy. And if if Geno Smith gets one before us, that is going to be so ironic. And I I'm sorry, I'm just gonna eat that up. I love Russ, I do. But I'm just gonna eat this up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. I do. I hate to pile on Russ because you know I'm, he's a superhuman. But it's uh, you know. Anyway, we've been living in this box for a while, and it's good to now be out of the box and see reality mm -hmm. from a different perspective. And so uh, that's what's going on this year. It feels great. I enjoy this team. This young team. It's mm -hmm. an exciting team. It's a fast it's team. Fun. They play hard for Pete. Pete's it's having fun. a great time again. It's like crazy. I love it when it's fun. And this team has been really fun. Um, and you, you're a, a Trailblazers fan. Um, they're up 4-0. Yeah, I know. And they, they may not be able to keep that up, but they look fun. They look fun, too. And um, they're, and they're you know, young and youthful, and they like to run now, and they like to mm -hmm. get out on fast breaks. How long has it been since we've seen a Trailblazer team? Sorry, sorry, folks, going off a little bit. <laughs> run, run on fast breaks I, and stuff. Yep, I just, just I know crazy. that I know that you you like your team, and and but they're they're fun. They may not this may not last for them. They may not continue to be on this run that they're on right now. But it's fun. It's yeah. like the Seattle Mariners. Like they made the playoffs. Uh, which was great. They finally broke that. But after what is it in mid-May when they were 14 games back and it looked 
they looked awful and then suddenly something clicked and they started winning and they started having fun and there was just this youthful excitement about that team in the same way for the Seahawks right now all these young players they're playing well they're playing fast they are having fun and it makes it fun for us to watch let's leave it there yeah. so go have fun watching this next game coming up we're doing one more show before then uh it's the giants preview show uh coming up uh this uh i think we'll probably put it out on thursday or friday so i uh, hope you enjoy that if you can share this show if you enjoy it uh please do so subscribe um you know where to find us if you're watching it this long uh so we appreciate you you can find keith where you can find keith on twitter he's there um you can find me as well and so until we see you next time, take care and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Phil is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.